0: This week, we laugh our way through the Star Trek ripoff Galaxy Quest. And along the way, we ask, which Star Trek show does this ripoff? Why is Sigourney Weaver almost useless in this film? And how does Alan Rickman become the best character we've seen? We'll find out on Force-Fed Sci-Fi. Hello everybody and welcome to what is sure to be another rip-roaring time on the Force Fed Sci-Fi podcast. Rip-roaring
1: time. <laughs>
0: yeah, I am <laughs> I am one of your hosts, Chris Rupp, and I'm joined by my co-host, the bombastic,
1: stupendous Sean Michael Cole.
0: Oh my
1: bombastic.
0: (laughs) Like a Ringling Brothers circus leader over here. I
1: guess so. I just uh, kind of watched CinemaSins on uh, that Hugh Jackman film where he played like the Ripley. Do you remember that musical that came out?
0: Yeah, The Greatest Showman.
1: Yeah. and So I guess I'm thinking I'm in a bombastic mood. Mm. (laughs) Apparently that movie sucked. (laughs) I haven't seen it. I can't attest (laughs) to it.
0: I I can't. But cinema.
1: But we're not uh, talking
0: about a Hugh Jackman movie today. We it? aren't.
1: We're talking about
0: Galaxy Quest. Boom, baby! I was excited to revisit this when this came up in the list. It had been a minute since I seen this, mm-hmm. and I got to admit, I was kicking myself that it's been that long since watching it. I never saw it. I think I saw the ending when I was like ten or eleven, but
1: I never. I've always wanted to. I heard it's a great spoof parody on Star Trek fandom and fans but i finally got her i'm glad we got around to this that i could finally watch
0: it so let's provide our listeners with a quick plot synopsis shall we yes take it away chris because so, i know you love it <laughs> i love doing this i really do <laughs> uh, so almost 20 years after a semi-popular space adventure tv sh- series has ended its actors find themselves out of work and appearing at fan conventions to make ends meet until one day, a group of aliens who believe the show to be part of the historical record arrive and recruit the show's cast to save their entire race from destruction. Oh, yeah, like on paper, this is a great premise. Oh, it's hilarious. There isn't a Star Trek writer or like TV other space adventure writer who would have tackled this premise before Galaxy Quest came out. No, and it seems right up the alley to do a star trek episode about this absolutely it's just brilliant think about that like if someone
1: sees like if anyone over like oversees a third world country or anyone that watches a tv show and believes that it's reality and they come up to you oh it's brilliant it absolutely is brilliant it's like someone approaching bruce willis and being like hey Can you help us? We have terrorists in this building. We need you to get them out.
0: How's it going, John McClane? Yeah,
1: exactly.
0: It's so brilliant. Wow, you lost your hair from the first movie, man. (laughs) You've aged. And then he just looks at him like, you know that wasn't a documentary, right? (laughs) What?
1: (laughs) (laughs) What is this lying thing you speak of?
0: (laughs) So let's discuss uh, the cast and crew of this movie because there's a lot to actually unpack with that. And I was surprised to learn some of this, researching this. Yeah, well, you talked about the casting,
1: like how many people that they went through auditioning. Yeah, and they almost took yeah cast for like.
0: Well, starring Tim Allen, who leading up to this had, uh, did Toy Story, Buzz Lightyear, obviously, and then uh, Home Improvement. Yeah, that's you, a great that was show for huge. the '90s. Oh
1: my God, I used to watch that show all the time loved it man
0: we have the legendary sigourney weaver mm-hmm. which we don't have to list her resume she is she is a treasure brilliant uh we have alan rickman the great alan rickman rest in peace my man he is brilliant uh we have tony Shaloub. from uh monk yes if you've never seen monk he's great and also uh also appeared in a previous podcast subject men in black
1: yes and then we rounded out with uh, Sam Rockwell.
0: Yes, in one of his early films, uh, pre-Oscar days. and yeah, Sam Rockwell, if you uh, ever needed proof that Sam Rockwell has always been a great actor, Gosh. you don't
1: need to look far. No, he's incredible in this film. that dude. I'm glad he finally got his nod.
0: But there were some notables who were considered auditioned and even offered other roles in the movie. like Alec Baldwin, for instance, turned down Jason Nesmith. That's hilarious. I couldn't see Alec Baldwin
1: as him. Like, just his, the the voice, the way he talks. Yeah. I I, mean, maybe they picked, they wanted him because of, like, the William Shatner vibe he would come off as.
0: You know, if we're talking Hunt for Red October, Alec Baldwin, I would say, okay, Mm -hmm. let's do it. Maybe, like, not so much chunky Alec Baldwin, angry Alec Baldwin that we're getting nowadays. 30 Rock Alec Baldwin. Look, Alec Baldwin nowadays, like every 18 months, he's in trouble for something. He is. You can pretty much mark it on your calendar. Every 18 months, he's getting arrested for <laughs> I something. I always
1: forget about that, whether it's harassing photographers,
0: journalists, Or beating swearing. up somebody who parked in a spot. Yeah. <laughs> God, that man- Every 18 months, he's in trouble. <laughs> And yet, Tom Hanks, never in trouble.
1: no, you are amazing. I love you
0: uh, who else? um so he turned down the role of Jason Nesmith, and also Steve Martin, Wow, and Kevin Klein were considered for that role.
1: Kevin Klein, yeah, eh, I could, maybe Steve Martin, but still Steve Martin, eh, I just couldn't see it. there couldn't Tim Allen is perfect for this yeah. role. I'm glad it was Tim Allen. he's brilliant as Jason
0: yeah, and Sam Rockwell almost. Backed out of the role as guy.
1: That's nuts because he literally, like, he's that perfect uh,
0: comedic piece. Yeah. Like, he's brilliant the whole film. He's the guy who's, he's the Bill Paxton character yeah. who's yes. always on edge and just convinced he's going t- to die. <laughs> I'm going to die. I'm going to die. <laughs> game, game over, <laughs> man. But actually, Tony Shaloub convinced him to take wow. the part and to stay on. Tony Shaloub. That
1: man, I've got so much more respect for him now. I mean, I already appreciate Well, actually, him.
0: I mixed it up. It was actually Kevin Spacey. Who convinced Sam Rockwell to stay on? Oh, Kevin Spacey. <laughs> but but here's the Tony Shalhoub thing. He actually auditioned for Sam Rockwell's role.
1: What? Yeah. Tony Shalhoub? No way. He, like, they,
0: then the producers felt he didn't fit the role of Guy, no. but they thought his mannerisms would fit Fred.
1: Perfect. So for that's why Fred. he was
0: cast as Fred. Kevin Spacey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now this is before we found out he was a uh, human garbage. <laughs>
1: Well, right, he just won American Beauty Best Oscar during uh, this time, 99. Yeah, but <laughs> so.
0: rounding out the cast are a bunch of uh, are, are notables who auditioned for roles. Uh, another uh, human treasure, Paul Rudd. Wow. Before uh, he
1: was uh, somebody. Yeah.
0: David Allen Greer also auditioned for a role. And Jennifer Coolidge also auditioned for a role as well.
1: We also have in this film, um, what's that guy's name? Jeremy Long? Or Justin Long.
0: Justin Long, the film debut of it is actually the film debut of three yes. notable actors. You named one in Justin Long.
1: Is it Rain Wilson? Yes. Yes. She's Dwight Schrute from the
0: office. No way. Yes.
1: Dwight is it way? that
0: is Dwight from the Office. That is Rain Wilson.
1: Okay. Yes.
0: He's Dw- the acquisition officer in the limo. Yes, I, I yes, am, yes. he's Teb or something. Or yes. no, he's not Teb. He's someone else. That's right. And so then those we have are the only uh, two I know. And Missy Pyle, who played uh, Leilari in the movie. Missy Pyle. Oh
1: yeah, this was her first film. Yes.
0: Oh my god. So notable Which debuts from three actresses who've gone on to do bigger and better things. So mm-hmm. that's always cool when you find a movie like that. It's like, hey, yeah. they were in this before, like they got big. Like <laughs> that's why I watch October Sky so much because it's like it's Jake Gyllenhaal like before he got big, and then like Chris Cooper before like he exploded onto the scene too. And Chris Cooper has always been a great actor. Chris Cooper is so just, underrated. He just never got like big opportunities and then nope. October Sky came around and was like, "You're awesome." <laughs> Even though you're kind of a jerk in this movie. God, I love watching films when they're new. Like yeah. he just it's like my dad,
1: I mentioned Rainmaker with like Danny DeVito and Matt Damon as like lawyer films and he like tears up. He's like, "Man, Matt Damon was great. He busts out there as a young guy, and you just see him crushing. I'm like, it's all right, man. You don't know him. It's it's okay.
0: But back to Galaxy Quest, though. Actually, uh, Alan Rickman almost turned down his role, too. Alan Rickman. And he basically, I would say he steals the show. He that is... Man- Hands down, full stop, period, the best character in this
1: movie. His sarcasm is just, and I love sarcasm. So like the, immediately when he went on stage and like he spoke his first line, I'm like, I'm going to love this man. Like, I
0: used to be an actor. Five cutting calls. Now look at me. Look at me. <laughs> uh, there's this great clip of him on the uh, to the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon and they're sucking helium out and they're talking to each other. And it's, and it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen oh in my, my life. God, I've seen that.
1: I've seen the uh, Morgan Freeman one. Oh, my God, that one's brilliant. Because Morgan Freeman's like, in his helium voice, he's like, I don't know why I came on this stupid show. (laughs) (laughs) I'm
0: never coming on here again. Uh, Morgan Freeman. So I think that that rounds out the cast. um, Some notables from the crew real quick. This film was written by David Howard and Robert Gordon. And David Howard doesn't have a lot of uh, IMDb credits, but Robert Gordon's actually known for writing Men in Black 2.
1: Oh no way! So we got in that sci-fi yeah. gig because of this.
0: Okay, and this film was directed by Dean Parasad, who mostly directed TV prior oh, wow. to this.
1: Well, it had that it had that TV esque vibe to it. Mm-hmm. So it's just brilliant. It's what makes the film awesome because it almost feels like a TV episode. Do well, you know Trek. who was
0: originally set to direct the movie? Well, you told me,
1: but you can tell them. I'll Harold let you tell Ramis. Them. That's crazy,
0: man. The legendary R I P Harold Ramis.
1: I was gonna say I'm surprised he didn't. Bill Murray didn't audition, but at the same token, him and Bill Murray, I guess, had a falling out after Groundhog Day. Yeah. So that's probably why Bill Murray wouldn't be cast as mm-hmm. Jason. Yeah. But good God, that hey, rest in peace to Harold Ramis,
0: man. That guy, he yeah. did great stuff. Well, and made on a forty-five million dollar budget, mm-hmm. which not too bad. Not too bad. A pretty uh, yeah. modest uh, you budget can, for nineteen ninety-nine. You can tell. <laughs> you can tell. And originally, the film was going to be titled Captain Starshine, which, thank goodness that changed. Captain Starshine? I mean, this is, it's like from Back to the Future when it was really originally going to be called <laughs> Spaceman from Pluto. Like, oh my goodness.
1: What the crap, man?
0: I, I am so glad that it was not Captain Starshine. <laughs>
1: what? captain starshine and the world of today like come on man. that's
0: like a marvel cinematic universe titles rejects there
1: right exactly they're like who how do, who do people come up with this and then they're like this is great man
0: but harold Ramis left the project because of casting difficulties
1: that's interesting yeah. casting difficulties Hmm. well I, I guess because tim allen usually gets a lot of flack for not being a good actor which i don't blame him he's a comedian and not to say, though, that comedians can't act, but especially like at his time with home improvement, people were like, oh, you can't really act. But I can see why that he was having uh, some difficulties. But Tim Allen ends up uh, crushing it. I was actually pretty shocked when he has that dramatic scene when he's like telling the guy the truth about the TV show. I'm like, wow, he's actually got some chops to him. He can act.
0: Yeah, I was surprised to uh, remember how funny this movie was. Yeah. It's pretty good. It the humor holds up so well after twenty years. For some
1: of it. For me at least, for some of it. Like when Tim Allen is like mooning the aliens, I did not laugh. I was like, eh. <laughs> Both times I watch it. Cause I watched this in my military base on my phone the first time. I was like, eh. I I get why it's funny. The first time a lot of the humor felt dated, but then the second time I watched it at home, I was like, oh, this is good.
0: This is really good. There's some parts of it that feel like over the top. Like when Tommy breaks his arm and he's being carried off and he's just screaming like a child the Ah, entire way.
1: ah, ah. It's just like, okay, dude. Whoa, whoa. whoa. (laughs) Or for me, like my lens flare was when they're leaving the dock and they just like scrape the spaceship (laughs) because he doesn't know how to fly. Yeah. For the first couple of seconds, I was like, oh, this is hilarious. But then it keeps going for like a minute and a half. It's like, I get it, man.
0: And turns out all you had to do to learn how to drive was just believe in yourself. That's and right. Watch old clips of yourself actually <laughs> pretend driving the ship.
1: Well, that's just it. I was like, why didn't they know how to do it? They did it for four years, but four years, you know, after not doing the show for so long, it's a long time. Yeah, I couldn't remember that crap. But the, otherwise, the comedy was great. Oh my god, the one-liners, Alan Rickman. A lot was of it so uh, the, uh, comes.
0: Yeah, a lot of it comes from Alan Rickman and Tim yes. Allen. But Alan Rickman just plays his character one hundred percent straight, and that's where all of the comedic effect comes from for the mm-hmm. entire film.
1: Like what is it by Grethar's the
0: hammer? the Grabthar's hammer? By
1: Grethar's hammer, what by the savings. Sons of Man,
0: <laughs> you shall be avenged.
1: <laughs> it's so great.
0: Hello, Alan. <laughs> This is Alan Rickman.
1: And he just, like, has such a disinterested face the whole time. Like, it's painful for him saying the dialogue. It's just so funny.
0: Just the way he interacts with everybody. Because uh, the aliens, the thermites, believe that he is, you know, this legendary half-reptilian, half-humanoid mm-hmm. Oh, my doctor, God. And they feed him, like, those <laughs> bugs. He goes, like, how are you enjoying your whatever soup it is? He goes, just like Mom used to make. <laughs> <laughs> They give
1: Tim Allen a steak and mashed potatoes.
0: Like, I wanted the steak. I would have just... Right? I, if I were Alan Rickman, I would have pushed it aside. And like, can I have what he's having? Though I saw a Sam
1: Rockwell's food and he had like some white noodles and he like <laughs> sucks it up and then spits it out. <laughs> I'm like, this is brilliant, man. Most of the comedy was funny. Like at the end, where they're like going through like the shifting, I guess metallic like clampers and like the fire shooting, yeah, the stompers and or whatever Courtney Weaver, it's like whoever wrote this episode sucks
0: whoever wrote this episode should die,
1: yes, I'm like, I love this man,
0: did you catch some of the um like the dubs yeah in, in this? Yes, because we, you mentioned this. We
1: talked about this off air. The film was supposed to be much darker initially. It was going to be R-rated. Yes. But then they switched it to like a PG, PG-13. for. It like, was a PG. PG. I was surprised
0: to see that. For
1: the kiddos. So like she was supposed to drop an F-bomb, say F that. But then she's like.
0: Screw that.
1: Screw that. And then at one point when Tim Allen's about to get chased by the rock monster, he's like, oh darn.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if you're paying attention closely, you can chat, you a could times, scope a lot of those bad jump. dubs. It's like watching a, a Hollywood version of those bad lip-reading videos. Yes. <laughs>
1: uh, I would be interested in seeing that dark version of this film. Yeah. Just to see like if it was more adult humor or whatnot.
0: I'm hoping that they maybe could reconsider doing like a special cut in 20, a couple of years. Yeah,
1: it's been 20 years. Yeah,
0: maybe I mean, we could get not? that soon. Hol- I mean, Producers of Galaxy Quest, if you somehow are listening to this show, we- uh, <laughs> We respectfully request that you release an R-rated cut of Galaxy Quest. We would really appreciate it. We feel like the it. world is uh, ready for it.
1: We think so. It was great, and uh, we really appreciate your work. <laughs> your commentary on uh, Star Trek fandom.
0: Well, I, I do think this is, speaking of Star Trek, though, this is a, I think this is a welcome change of pace from a lot of space adventure. Totally. Science fiction films. It's probably one of the few comedies in space.
1: Because you really never see, like, a Star Trek or, like, anything like this where it's funny in space. Most comedies are, like, grounded on Earth or about, like, some, you know, bachelor guy or guy in the middle of the road or down on its luck. But this is hilarious, and it's in space.
0: I really enjoyed that. Yeah. and, And this film is chock full of good characters.
1: Oh, well, like, the film itself is, it's not like, it's like a character film. You get to learn and grow with these characters that basically hate each other. Well, the majority of them hate Tim Allen's character, but then they all learn throughout the film, like how to embrace their own characteristics. Like Tim Allen learns how to gr- be a leader instead of an alcoholic douchebag. Alan Rickman takes his character seriously and he actually says the line he doesn't want to say. So Weaver becomes more useful than just repeating what the computer says and talking to it.
0: Yeah, and um, Guy realizes that he's more than just cannon fodder. Yep. Uh, Fred realizes his technical prowess. Mm-hmm. As uh, earlier in the film, I think, uh, we both uh, conclusively agreed on our red shirt. Oh, the pig. And slash lens flare of the movie when that, that pig yeah. gets beamed up and turned inside out. And then blows up. Yeah, so. It's like, what? Yeah, on first viewing, yeah, that scene was funny when there's entrails all over the place, and then realizing, Wait a minute. The thing was already inside out. I know. Like it was going to die regardless. And the lens flare, and it just, it exploding. Yeah. Was just like, okay, now it's really dead. Which again, is proving, proving that technology either works or doesn't work. You need to kill an animal. Yeah. Which I'm not a fan of. We
1: keep finding this in films. The dead, like people keep killing animals. This has to be
0: our third or fourth film where that's the case.
1: Why? Why must we practice on these animals? Oh, these, po- But it was, you know, it was great dramatic tension and you were worried about Tim Allen's character when he beamed him up. It was Yeah, like, oh, but then crap. the rock
0: monster shows up and relieves that tension because Tim Allen's just like, I don't know how to fight this thing. I need help getting away.
1: Well, that was great. Oh, I'm good with the pig. I'm fine. I'll just take him out. Beam me up. Beam me up. <laughs> He's just like, beam me up now. And
0: then his shirt gets ripped off all la William oh Shatner Star God. Trek style.
1: I know! He played Shatner's character so well. Like, they, the writers of this, I cannot uh, praise enough for how great you guys did. Like, the parallels between Star Trek. just brilliant. Like, Alan Rickman's character is like uh, Spock, you could say. Yeah. And then frickin' Fred is like uh, Mr. Scott. Yeah. It was great. (laughs) The only one they were missing was uh, Bones.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Well, Bones is the sarcastic one. You don't exactly need all the sarcasm when it's coming from other sources.
1: And they pretty much had that in uh, with Alan Rickman's character anyways. Yeah. He was like a combination of Spock and Bones all in one. It was beautiful.
0: Yeah, and Sigourney Weaver, she, her quest throughout the movie to do more than yeah. just repeat what the computer is saying. Right,
1: because she's like, all I had was a six- paragraph interview about my boobs yeah. it's like man
0: her i love that scene when they're in the meeting room and she again is repeating the computer because she doesn't know what else to do oh my god and tommy yeah. looks at her and goes can you stop doing that and she just <laughs> fires back at him like look i have one job on this ship and i'm gonna do it the best i can okay <laughs> and it, it almost reminded me of like a mom putting her kid yeah, in his place because exactly. Tommy is the youngest member of this cast. He is. I think he, he was probably maybe like in his mid twenties. Yeah, everyone else is in their late forties, maybe. Mm-hmm. So she's very much. It's very much a mom putting the kid in the place. It's like, listen, I'm gonna do my job. You do yours. So please be quiet. And she was great. The fact that they casted
1: her after the cast her after like her Alien series. I mean, great, great choice, man. She owned it.
0: Well. I also think that the, the visual effects and the makeup effects were actually pretty good for the time.
1: Yes. I wanted to talk about how the makeup and the practical effects were tremendous. Like um the villain in this character in this movie is what is it, Saris? Saris? Yes, Saris. Saris. He's basically like this douchebag turtle like creature with claws.
0: He's a turtle lobster. He's
1: a turtle lobster that picks on what are basically these aliens like octopus that take human form and walk all funny and they have like the mentality of like children like they don't really grasp the concept of lying they think Gilligan's Island is real and he's basically just eradicating everyone in the solar
0: system the Gilligan's Island that throwaway line there oh that was great those poor people
1: those poor people (laughs) (laughs) they believe Gilligan's Island is real that was a great scene what about
0: Cyrus's subordinate who walks in three different times in the movie and goes, General, I've just received word that blah, blah, blah. <laughs>
1: it was, yeah, they had to do some callback to Star Trek. It was perfect. But the uh, makeup in this for those guys was just on point, man.
0: Well, it had to be believable to a certain point. Mm-hmm. And if you watch some of the original Star Trek, well, there was next to no makeup. Yeah. I mean, in a couple episodes, they had dogs that had spray paint on them. <laughs>
1: Are you kidding me? I am not kidding. No way.
0: Yeah. There was one episode of Star Trek (laughs) that literally the creature effect was a dog that had spray paint on it. Oh my God. I don't know the name of the episode because I'm I'm not not that big into Star Trek, (laughs) but a lot of the uh, makeup effects from the original series were just like prosthetics or really like I get they had to work with what they got in the 1960s, but nowadays you watch it and it just, it does not hold up. No,
1: it's like, oh my God. They, yeah, they had like a episode where these little furry monsters like take over. They keep reproducing. The Tribbles. Tribbles. It's just like little balls of fluff and that's it. It's like little fur balls.
0: Yeah, they ate all the grain and um, it was, um... Oh, who was that? It was Harry Mud who was uh, like con them into taking the tribbles. Yep, yeah,
1: yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Well,
0: also too, you had the effects of Saris and his crew, but also those little blue miners. Mm-hmm. Like that was pretty that was ahead of its time.
1: It was pretty good. I like those guys. I, I was pretty wowed with the CGI of those little cute, adorable, but
0: terrifying creatures. <laughs> this was really, I, in my opinion, this was like a visual effects showcase at the time. Yeah. They're I mean, like, obviously they're, what
1: we can do. Yeah.
0: It, it, obviously, it's been 20 years since it's come out, but- So,
1: yeah, it doesn't hold up too well, but you can forgive it for when it was. Yeah.
0: I mean, this came out near the dawn of when computer graphics were becoming a prominent tool for filmmakers. Yeah. And this it's not overdone in this movie. I mean, you, you, they get away with what they can. Yeah,
1: like on the planet, they filmed in Utah. Mm-hmm. Like, that was on location. Yeah. Which is nuts to think that, like, that desert, weird rock formation planet is actual real rocks.
0: Yeah, I was like, okay. Sweet. It looked straight out of, like, a Star Trek episode. It did.
1: I think that's why they did it. They're like, hey, look what we can do.
0: And you get the little blue miners who are just (laughs) evil and terrifying. Yes, adorable. Just love it when they rip apart their injured compatriot. Oh, my God, (laughs) yes.
1: The kid's like limping to the pool, and then they just, (laughs) bam. Oh, look, the other one's hurt, and then, ah, no, no,
0: no, no. Only the strong
1: survive. Um no 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 no! <laughs> Should we eat him? Let's hit him with a rock first, and then we'll eat him. <laughs> it's like yes, oh, it's perfect. Yeah, the it
0: the I'm pretty happy but with this film. Also, Stan Winston, mm-hmm. the legendary Stan, Stan Winston, Winston, did completed the effects on this. Yeah, and, he did like, a great job. Again, we don't need to list Stan Winston's resume because. The man is a legend. Another uh, rest in peace to Stan Mm -hmm. Winston. Google him if you don't know him, but his work is just incredible. Really, if you like science fiction films as much as we do, you know who Stan Winston is. (laughs) Yeah,
1: they did a darn good job. Even like the gel capsules for the transport was amazing. Like that was probably one of my favorite scenes when um he comes back and then like the whole crew gets transported onto the ship and they're all just like befuddled with what they saw.
0: Thermians were. Disgusting so disgusting <laughs> then they needed those um those appearance generators or whatever they call them in Even the movie their
1: voice was disgusting it's just like ooh Whoa. I
0: guess so they were just originally written straight, but it was the actor who played Mathazar in the film it was his choice to add that weird inflection. Okay. And the director liked it and decided to make that like a trait amongst all of the Thermians. Okay.
1: Mm, Yeah. yeah. (laughs) We need your help.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Like it's almost like mid-Atlantic British with weird inflections. Like I don't know how to describe it because I've never heard anything like that before. No,
1: it's the first time I've ever heard that. Hey, kudos to him, man, for coming up on the spot with that. But apparently that's what they did. And a lot of the film was... um, Set. Like the yeah. whole spaceship. They actually, they didn't want to do like in the TV series where the actors just jump and then they do shaky cam. The actual set shook and the actors were just standing still.
0: Well, yeah, you have to add a sense of realism mm-hmm. to that. And um, yeah, the whole stage that the bridge set was built on that gimbal mm-hmm. and they just sh- shook it all up.
1: Yeah, Alan Rickman says if you look hard enough, you'll see him looking up because he was worried throughout the entire filming process that the whole thing was going to collapse on him. (laughs) He's like, I hope I don't die on here.
0: I feel like we could talk about the characters forever. so much in this movie. Like Alan Rickman is just the best. I mean, I love Mm -hmm. that his prosthesis, his um, his headpiece, doesn't come off for the entire movie. The whole film, and he hates
1: the role, and he never takes it off.
0: It's like no matter what he does, the character will always be a part of him. Mm -hmm. And it's not until when Quellick is killed that that line, that line that he hates saying more than anything in the world, it finally has meaning for him. For the Mm -hmm. first time in his career, he's finally able to say that with conviction and it means something for him. That's right. Because uh, Saris, I guess, takes over the ship.
1: So they got to take it back. Just great. The great the dialogue was great. Super easy. This film like was just very black and white. They knew exactly what the characters were. They all. Came above and beyond their own traits and like not too much exposition.
0: I loved it. Well, it's a, and a lot of nods to Star Trek, too. Yeah. Well, yeah,
1: it was a great take on fan culture and everything. All, like what the actors, like um, uh, For- DeForest Kelly, the guy that played Bones, what he basically went through in his entire career once he got cast in Star Trek, he could never escape the conventions. Like it was brilliant in like what they actually went through. And the actors actually talk about this. Because, right, they had actors in Star Trek that reviewed the films.
0: Yeah, we we, we will get to that, though. Yes. Um, well, I think this is a good point to bring up the, the climax yes. slash ending of the film. Yes,
1: before we go into what the actors say, let's talk about the big ending.
0: Well, prior to the the events of the climax, mm-hmm. Tim Allen had this uh, rather, uh, I guess, loud encounter with a fan who was asking him some technical question on the show, and he... Uh, He was a bit, uh, he was shorter with him than he uh, he should have been.
1: Well, it's basically like if a fan is like super into, like let's say... Uh, Lord of the Rings, and your Orlando Bloom is Legolas, and then I come up to Legolas, and I'm like, dude, do you know what like the fur and the arrows are made from? Like, what's the wood in them? Like, man, what's the armor made up, man? And then you're just like, what the crap? I don't, I don't know. Freaking know this? It's a movie, dude. And that's basically what Tim Allen says to the kid. He gets he he rebuffs him. Yeah, he, him he tells twice. him it's just a show.
0: Yeah. And in a way, I mean, Tim Allen is correct. But in some ways for fan culture, I mean, his portrayal of the commander Mm -hmm. on the show is everything to Justin Long. Yeah. It means so much to him to be at this convention and hang out with his heroes. Absolutely. And he just gets thrown off and dismissed. I mean, that it's got to be hard. I haven't had anything like that happen to me. No. Thankfully, I I tend to I don't I don't go to those conventions.
1: No, I, I follow Morrissey's quote never meet your heroes yeah because i don't want to be let down but i i actually thought the film was going to take a different turn and have justin long's character be
0: like oh screw you at the end yeah but then it doesn't that the movie would have ended right there it's like who's this like oh you're the guy who yelled at me slams the communicator (laughs) on the ground climax over movie over i guess you're gonna die (laughs) but
1: it's not that type of film
0: yeah and then with the help of justin long's uh Nerdy friends, they get to the ship up and running and yeah. all's good. And they think they're gonna go back home and then who shows up on the bridge but Cyrus, disguised as Fred and he shoots everybody in the back.
1: And then they use the uh the device. What's the what's the device in the, the film? omega 13? Slash, uh,
0: slash Deus Ex Machina?
1: Yes, because the entire film Cyrus wants the Omega 13. He doesn't know what it's used for, but he wants control of the world. And there's two um outcomes. It's either going to obliterate life or it's going to basically time warp you back for like 10 seconds, 15 seconds. And the ASX Machina of this film, the Omega-13, ends up doing a time warp back for 10 to 15 seconds so Tim Allen can go and kill Saris, or what he thinks is Yeah, I do Saris. think
0: it's, it is weird, though, that Tim Allen is aware that he traveled back in time, but and no one no else. else is.
1: I was going to ask you, if uh, because it's time travel. It's another sci-fi film that uses a little bit of time travel. But I forgave it. The reason why I forgave it is because the film wasn't about time travel, and it was just like the deus mock, you know?
0: Yeah, but the Omega-13 was a pretty strong plot yeah, device was. throughout the movie. So that, for me, was kind of like an eye-rolly moment there. It's like, really? You're the only one who knows that you activated this thing? I know.
1: <laughs> and I, I basically was like, okay. But, you know, I was like, whatever. The film's almost all, and the film ends pretty quickly after that. So I forgave it.
0: Yeah, but then the ship crash lands in the parking lot and then they all yeah. get out and leave. But that final laser blast to defeat Saris, I thought that was a bit underwhelming compared to everything that had happened leading up to the film. He does a tuck right. and roll and shoots him <laughs> in the chest
1: and that's it? Well, he finally gets to do what he was doing on the uh, alien planet, rolling around.
0: And he has his Do you think the rolling moment? is helping?
1: Yeah. <laughs> it was a little underwhelming because you thought it was going to be something more but i mean i think that might just be chalked up to like us in our new films in the modern age where you still like these elaborate final showdowns but you know some of the best cinematic moments in history is when Harrison Ford and Indiana Jones just shoots the
0: sword guy
1: you know, and he's like flipping it around. And he just takes out the weapon and boop.
0: That's because Harrison Ford had dysentery and he couldn't do another take. Because <laughs> that was supposed to be a much longer fight sequence. He had dysentery. He couldn't, could not barely stand up as he was pooping so much. That's crazy.
1: But hey, it ends up being a great moment in history. Yeah. So.
0: You know, and I do want to mention this before we move on, that this movie reminded me a lot of a book I read last year. And I think okay. I mentioned this to you. It's called... Red Shirts Mm -hmm. by Dean Scalzi. Yes. And the book takes the premise of it's set around this, uh, like this Space Federation that does a similar mission to like the Enterprise uh, and the Protector, where they're going around and they're, you know, having first contact or saving human races. But it turns out that the universe that they live in is a creation of the show's writers. And the universe they're in is actually a Hollywood show. Oh,
1: that's nuts. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Like, I
0: read the book last year, and the book, it was awesome. I probably read it in a couple of days. So mm-hmm. if you have a minute to read it, go to your local library, yeah. check it out, read it. With, without Galaxy Quest, I don't think Red Shirts would have happened. So this week, Force Fed Sci-Fi has a book recommendation. We have a very first book recommendation <laughs> of Red Shirts by Dean Scalzi. Yes. Go figure, man. The show is evolving. We're, we're becoming a bit highbrow. now we're giving out book recommendations people are going to come back and say, chris i got to read a book now
1: oh man book recommendations mental health awareness what is next what will we do next folks
0: oh my god picture show (laughs) but you can't because this is an audio show (laughs) (laughs) one day we will be on youtube so let's talk about the legacy of galaxy quest shall we let's talk about the the actors what they thought yeah. So this movie was actually I was surprised to find out pretty beloved amongst yeah. like Star Trek actors. Like uh Patrick Stewart is scenes it's praises about it. Um Tim Russ who played Tuvok on Voyager, he enjoys this. William Shatner, mm-hmm. uh Will Wheaton, um George Takei. Mm-hmm. Um Takei, Takei. I'm I, I'm To be honest, I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name, but I will uh, judge you. Kind sir, you are a gentleman and a scholar. <laughs> Uh, The only person I saw who didn't really care for it was Casey Biggs, who was, I guess, Tamar on Deep Space Nine. Yeah. But my thoughts are, if everybody else loves it, enjoys it, and you're the lone dissenting opinion- You're wrong. Yes, you are wrong.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think, though, they love it because of basically, you know, it's perfect adaptation of what they go through as actors. Mm -hmm. You know, being typecast in a great show. And then basically being regulated to doing Comic Con and <laughs> stuck with that for money. So they probably, it it basically hit on all cylinders for
0: them. You know who else loves this movie? Who? J.J. J. Abrams. He has called Galaxy Quest his favorite Star Trek film.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that, how ironic that he ended up directing two Star Trek films.
0: Yeah. But this, it also grossed uh, $90 million. All right. And... Currently holds a 90% rating on yep. Rotten Tomatoes. So it's got a great rating. Take that for what you will. So, is either of that surprising to you at all?
1: No, it's not surprising to me because um, I don't know if people in the modern age remember, but Star Trek was big in the late 80s, throughout the 90s. They had Next Gen, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, and then the uh, Enterprise. Series and those four were so big, so I
0: can understand why people
1: went and saw the show. Cause
0: like, ooh, space adventure! It's a spoof. Well, even now, Star Trek is starting to come back. It's with... coming
1: back now, but it wasn't as big, I feel like, now as it was back in the day
0: when people just waited weekly for that episode. Well, that's like with a lot of um, pieces of pop culture. The the yeah. feelings for it wax and wane. Mm-hmm. You know, every couple of decades or it so. It would
1: be like how people like Game of Thrones in modern times.
0: With Star Trek
1: back then. But, I mean, it's also different because there's way more access to media and entertainment. But I can totally see why. People loved it. Because it's a great movie.
0: And it's really funny. To be honest, I'm surprised it didn't make more money.
1: Yes. It, because you would think now, like in modern films, well, I guess with inflation it's probably up to over $100 million.
0: Yeah, I would think it's so, too. Be. But this also opened on um, Christmas Day, 1999. Which is kind of crazy. Christmas Day. I did, yeah. That
1: kind of shocked me. I was like, wow.
0: Well, you know what else opened that day? Angela's Ashes, The Talented Mr. Ripley, and Magnolia. Alright, so, so this, yeah, I can see why. This, I think if this movie came out in July, maybe I think it would have done a bit better. Yes. Cause this has that's summer, what I was gonna this say. This has summer blockbuster comedy written all over it. Oh, totally. I wonder why they waited until Christmas. Maybe they just it didn't work out like mm-hmm. release schedule wise. Yeah. Because Dreamworks to distributor, this was one of their first movies. Um, and they I don't know, maybe just, just didn't feel like they could compete in the summer months. Which is understandable. I mean, in an award season is kind of slow. People do want to change their pace from all the uh The films that might win Oscars to see something that's funny and they can turn off their brain for a little bit. I totally get that. Same. Because you know what? I mean, we all need movies where we can just enjoy it and watch it for what it is. And this is certainly that. So, obviously, it didn't win any Oscars or anything like that. Which you'd
1: think with the makeup and special effects, it would get nominated at least.
0: There were other movies that came out that year that I think did better with the makeup.
1: Yeah, and that was back in the day when the Oscars were still like, their noses were to the sky with comedies. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, you vile things, you're not art.
0: The Academy still very much turns its nose up to comedies and even comic book films which is really which wasn't until recently with um black panther black panther and even the new uh the spider-verse film too Mm -hmm. um but tim allen did win a saturn award for best actor oh that's dope which if you're unfamiliar with the saturn awards they uh they recognize uh, achievements in horror and science fiction films and yeah we like to reference them too on the show when we can because these films even if they don't get oscar consideration they do deserve consideration in their own right well
1: saturns yeah they're basically the sci-fi oscars and you know i was like i said i was very impressed with tim allen in this film i didn't think that um moving from a tv actor to a film actor they could carry he really did well
0: also too he had a good cast yeah with the success of this movie we didn't get a sequel to it no we did not and i know they're they wanted to do a sequel for a while there was talks of maybe doing a television show, mm-hmm. but with the passing of Alan Rickman, yeah, it seems like those hopes have been dashed. Which really sucks. Which, rightfully so, because who else are you going to cast to fill well, you couldn't. Alan Rickman's shoes? You can't do it. It would be impossible. And
1: I know I read that it was up and down for years. For like a decade, it was in development hell. And then like right around 2014, 2015, they're like, hey, it might be good, good. It might be a go, but... He passed, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, which, again, rest in peace, Mr. Rickman. You are a legend and a treasure. Very much. He's great. So with all of that in mind, Sean, what do you say we rate Galaxy Quest? On the scale of what we use here on Force Fed Sci-Fi of wouldn't watch, would watch, would own, and would host a viewing party, what do you give 1999's Galaxy Quest?
1: I'd be down for a would own. For this i and, and even maybe even would host a viewing party because i think if you love sci-fi and you're down for a really good and you love star trek um you should see this this is a perfect extension of star trek and if you love sci-fi just go for it it's not dated cgi is incredible the writing is incredible it's super easy it's not a convoluted plot you'll love it
0: how about you you know i have to Agree with you, but mm-hmm. take it a step further and say I would full stop host viewing parties. You for would this. Host...
1: okay? Well, I'm like a three and a half. I'm like right in there. I'm both.
0: Well, you've only you you only saw it for this show. You didn't watch it previous to this. I think you would probably benefit more from repeat viewings mm-hmm. and grow to appreciate it like other people have. Yeah, I mean, you're right there. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, I remember seeing this when it came out. I mean, I remember my dad adding this to our movie collection. So I I have watched this over the years and. Like I said at the top of the show, I was excited when this came back in the list. I was excited to revisit this film and enjoy it and laugh. And, you know, I agree with everything you said. It's it's not a ripoff of Star Trek. No. It's more of a very elaborate tribute to the series as a whole and the tropes that that espoused. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's a good romp of a space adventure. It is. I, I don't need... Any substance with this movie because that's not what I'm looking for. It's a good, simple, straightforward comedy. Sometimes that is a more welcome break than anything you could ask for. So I think uh, that about wraps it up on Galaxy Quest. Yeah. Let's pick our film for next time. Let's do it. All right. So... We're going to enlist the help of our friendly random number generator AI. What's her name, Sean?
1: Major Samantha.
0: Yes. She is going to assist us by picking <laughs> from a list of 118 films she has selected. Beep, boop, 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 boop. Number 22. Oh, whoa. Are you ready for this one? Give it to me. It is the 1993 Instant Phenomenon Classic Timeless Film directed by Steven Spielberg. It is Jurassic <laughs> Park.
1: That is awesome. I am so stoked for this.
0: I don't need much of a reason to watch Jurassic Park, so I am so Same. pumped to watch this movie.
1: I watch this like every year.
0: You know, my girlfriend had never seen Jurassic Park until a few weeks ago. Oh, my God. That was one of the things I told her, like, okay, (laughs) enough. We need to watch this.
1: Yes. Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah,
0: I am, too. So that will be our movie for next time. Check us out, guys. Watch along with us. And if you enjoyed today's show, please go to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. It helps drive us up the charts as well as help people like you find the show. We are across the spectrum of social media with Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All at Force Fed Sci Fi. You can check out and download episodes at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts. And please subscribe so you never miss an episode. And finally, you can check out our website, ForceFedSciFi.com, for show notes and links to all of our social media. So for myself and all of us at the Force Fed Sci Fi team, we'll see you next time. Force-Fed Sci-Fi is written and hosted by Sean Culp and Chris Rupp. Website design, associate producer, and editing by Jeremy Kesky. Artwork designed by Mike Berger. Theme music composed and performed by Custom Anthem.